off and they get to go to the ark here in December. But that's going to help them out a lot. So mark that down. Stick that on your refrigerator or your mirror, wherever you're going to look the most. So put it on your refrigerator <laughs> and, uh, and you'll be able to help them out a good bit. Then as well, next one. Uh, we're having a Next Step membership class. We got some folks, uh, if, or any folks, if you're interested in joining the church, we got a membership class. We're going to start on October the 2nd. Um, it's going to be about six to eight weeks um, or so, and we're going to be covering different things about what it means to be a church member and, and some different things like that. But if you're interested in being a church member and you are not a church member, or say perhaps you've been coming to church for a long time, but you've never been a member, well, that means you would, and you'd like to be one, or you're interested, come see me, let me know, all right, so we can prep that class and get you ready to go. But looking forward to that and grateful for what God's doing there. Um, all right, let's get to this section now. Here we go. Uh, Happy Grandparents' Day. If you're a grandparent, would you stand up for us? Not, not you. <laughs> hey, we're grateful for our grandparents. Give them a hand. We appreciate you guys. Y'all can be seen. We're grateful for each one. Nothing like good godly grandparents and godly parents, so we thank you today. Um, let's as well remember today, too, of course, being September 11th. It's been seems so long ago, yet it also still seems so fresh as well. Well, let's continue to pray for our nation. Our nation is in desperate need of revival. Our churches are in desperate need of revival. And um, uh, let's just pray uh, and remember those things today. Uh, today, right after church, there will be a short meeting uh, following the service for those who are going to the Clater Lake Ladies Retreat. That is next week, I think. Is that No, a couple weeks. You'll know. Um, I won't. Just come to the meeting, and they'll take care of that, all right? Um, then next Sunday. That's right. That's what's next Sunday. It's kind of a big deal, isn't it? 50th anniversary celebration next Sunday. Uh, there will be no Sunday school uh, and no Sunday night service, all right? So come at 1030. It'll be a little bit longer of a service. We're going to have we got a special group coming in to sing. Y'all ever heard of the Gaithers? It's not them. Hey, y'all make it to 55. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, 100 years. All right, y'all come back for that. No, we got a good group coming. Looking forward to them. They're going to sing. We got some special preaching. Y'all ever heard? <laughs> no, I'm preaching that morning. All right, so, but you got some special music. But, and uh, we're going to have a meal afterwards. All right, so we got fried chicken, ham, and rolls provided, so y'all bring the rest. So if all you want is fried chicken, ham, and rolls, that's what we'll eat. But if you want some other stuff, bring it, all right? So bring some side dishes, some desserts to share. We'll have a good time. And as well, if it's any extra incentive after I done joked with you, all right, and made y'all think we're going to have the Gaithers come, we do got prizes and some gifts and some goodies for everybody that comes just to commemorate the day, the anniversary, and so we'd love for you to come and be a part of that day. There's also some invitations in the back if you want to invite somebody. Um, then we're going to have a, just a special church business meeting on September the 21st, that Wednesday night, uh, before we get into our Bible study to uh, discuss and to vote on uh, bringing on a couple of missionary families, Andrew and Amber Garcia going to Honduras, and Luke and Brianna Kennedy, all right? So I'll kind of refresh you guys up on them uh, when we get there, and we'll vote on taking them on. Uh, then Saturday the 24th um, will be a memorial service for David Locke, and that will be here at Victory Way at uh, 1 o'clock Saturday, September 24th. I know on the phone call we'd put out, it was October, it's been moved to the 24th, all right? So mark that down, and we hope that you can come out. And then September the 25th through Wednesday the 28th, um, I'll be preaching a revival for Shenandoah Heights, uh, Pastor Paul's church in Waynesboro. And uh, you guys are going to have a special treat. T.J. Tilly will be with you that Sunday morning for Sunday school and worship. And then Brother A.J. James will be here that Wednesday night. Uh, but I appreciate your prayers for that. And uh, thankful for a, a busy bulletin. Uh, lots of things are going on. The Lord's working in hearts. We're grateful for what God has in store. And so we hope that you can come and be a part of all this. All right. Uh, let's pray this morning. And we're going to stand to our feet. And we're going to worship the Lord. And I hope you're prepared to do so. God, we come to you this day. We just want to thank you for uh, your goodness, your faithfulness to us. We want to thank you for just allowing us the privilege and the honor uh, to be able to come to you in prayer, to worship you and adore you. God, you're so good, not just for the things that you've done for us, but Lord, just simply for who you are. Help us to have eyes opened up to your word today, our ears opened up, God, so that we might have hearts that would believe and would trust you, God. I pray that you would give us a spirit of unity today. God, if there's one who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that you convict them of sin, draw them by your goodness to repentance and faith. 
Lord, if there's one who's grown cold or apathetic, if there's one who's grown uh, or gone uh, uh, wayward, Lord, we pray that You would draw them uh, back to You today. God, whatever the need today might be, I pray that You would answer it through Your Word, uh, Lord, through song. God, that You would be uh, encur- uh, that You would uh, encourage Your people, that You would be blessed and honored and glorified today in all that we say and do. God, we thank You for this time. We give it to You now and go with us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Good morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you're able, please stand and we will begin our worship in song here. Uh, turn to hymn number 781 if you wish to, but we do have it up on the screens this morning, I believe. Praise the Lord. Yeah, we got overhead projection now. Face to face, hymn number 781. 1 uh, Corinthians thirteen twelve tells us, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Face to face, we'll see our Savior face to face one day, and then we'll know. Face to face with Christ my Savior. Face to face, what will it be when with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ, who died for me? Face to face, I shall behold him far beyond the starry sky. Number 344 for our next song, hymn 344, Grace, Greater Than Our Sin. Romans 520 tells us, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, amen, praise the Lord, here it comes. Grace did much more abound. Grace did much more abound. Grace, Greater Than Our Sin. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was Grace, grace, 
That deserves a great big amen. Let's hear it out there. God's grace. Our next song is one that we've not sung in a long, long time. It's just been one of them (coughs) that we've overlooked. Excuse me. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. Hymn number 496. First Peter tells us in uh, chapter 5, verse 7, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. If there are, if there are any here today, including myself and all that are out there and up here, if anyone ever needed feeling cared for, this song will be a blessing to you. It is a beautiful, beautiful worded song and a beautiful melody and a comfort and a help to anyone that needs it. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus since I found in him a friend so strong and true. I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like sit down. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but before you sit, please shake hands, tell everybody hello, wave, and tell everybody the, the welcome here, and it's good to be here in God's house. Welcome everyone. Okay, now we have some special music uh, by Larry Davis. So, Brother Larry, you need a mic, or you're just going to use the pulpit? Right, let me get done covered so they can hear you. Brother Larry Davis. Lord laid this song on my heart a couple of weeks ago, I guess. Uh, we were going through some pretty rough times. A uh, bunch in our family had COVID, and our little two-year-old granddaughter uh, amongst those. And uh, then it's, uh, you know, just uh, seemed like everything hit us at one time, just uh, one thing after another. Uh, sickness, financial, uh, family problems, uh, things all of us face. You know, if you're if you're here and uh, you're living for the Lord, you're gonna have problems. But what do we do? What do we do? The Bible says, "Trust in the Lord with all thine heart; lean not unto thine own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path." 
And so God started answering prayers. And boy, you talk about getting a lift now. When your prayers start getting answered, Amen. that's a pickup, believe me. So that, it brought this song to mind and uh, just made me realize how blessed I am. never made a fortune and it's probably too late now oh but I don't worry about that at all cause I'm happy anyhow as I go along life's journey I'm reaping better than I've sold. I'm drinking from my saucer Cause my cup is overflowing I ain't got a lot of riches Sometimes I go and rough Oh, but I've got a friend in Jesus that makes me rich enough I thank God for all his blessings on me and the mercy he's bestowed I'm drinking from my saucer cause my cup is overflowing I've been through some rough times and I know there were times when I, my faith got a little thin but you know what one day all at once those dark clouds broke and that sun started shining again so Lord help me not to grumble and complain about the tough roads I have home Drinking from my saucer Cause my cup has overflowed And if I should go on living, Lord If the way gets steep and rough I won't ask for other blessings You've already blessed me enough May I never be too busy To help another bear his load And I'll keep drinking from my saucer Cause my cup is overflowed Yes, I'll keep drinking from my saucer, Lord Cause my cup is overflowed my cup is overflowing. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Brother Larry. Let's bow for prayer. Please pray with me. Our precious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house here today. Lord, thank you, Lord, for these songs we've heard here today. We pray, Lord, they've been pleasing to thee. We thank you, Lord, for the messages in the songs. Lord, uh, no one ever cared for me like you. Thank you, Lord, for, for that song. Thank you, Lord, through the times of affliction and storms in our life. Lord, you're there for us. And, Lord, our even though, Lord, there, there's many troubles and trials there, Lord, our cup is overflowing, and we still can drink out of the saucer. By your many blessings you bestowed upon us, we praise you for all the blessings, all the daily benefits. 
Lord, you're just so good to us. We praise you, Lord, for your holiness and your righteousness and all your glory and all your majesty and all that you are. We pray, Lord, that you would help continue in this service here today and help us to continue to sing and bless our pastor as he preaches. Give him strength and in the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, help him to preach your word and your message for your people here today. We love you, Lord because you first loved us. Thank you so much for loving us and dying for us on the cross of Calvary. In your precious, holy, righteous name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Okay, I'm going to ask you to stand, if you're able, one more time. Christ, our hope in life and death. In <clears throat> Colossians 1.27, it tells us, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We have a hope. Amen. Praise the Lord. Christ, our hope in life and death. What is our hope in life and Christ alone, Christ alone, what is our only confidence that our souls to Him belong, who holds our days within His hands, what comes apart from His command, and what will keep us to the end, the love of Christ in which we stand. Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah, now and ever we confess Christ our
and amen. You may be seated. And now our pastor's coming to preach the word of God. Let's give him a nice welcome. Praise the Lord for the songs sung this morning, for the worship lifted. I hope you're able to sing those songs. Whether you know them or not, you still sing them anyways, because it don't really matter if you know them, if you sing real loud or even sing real pretty, but whether or not you're singing from the heart unto the Lord, we don't sing for nobody else around here anyway, so if somebody hears you, that's just fine. All that matters is that we sing to the Lord, that He hears us, and that He hears much more than what our voice might say or sing, or if it squawks or if it don't squawk so much. But whether that he hears a heart that is lifted up to him humbly to worship him, to adore him, and to praise him. And just because the songs are over does not mean that praise ceases or that worship ends, but rather it continues now as we open up the Word of God. Take your Bible and turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter number thirty four this morning. Second Chronicles chapter thirty four. Last week we began looking at this uh, passage. We went through verse 13 and looking at what it means to get back on track. And I hope from last week you did get back on track if you were off track. And if you're not, maybe this is your week. But nevertheless, there's probably not a day that goes by that at some point in time in our day that we don't get off course a little bit or maybe get off the rails. Maybe not every day is a, a derailer. But, but there's times when we've got to get back to some simple things. And as a church, as we've been talking about this anniversary, we're talking about all these upcoming things, we're looking to still move forward, to be used of God. We want to be a light in this community for the gospel of Christ. We want to give glory and honor to the Lord. We want to have unity. We want to have power. We want to have His presence in our life, in our daily life, our individual life, within the church itself. As we look at this, today we're going to look at the rest of this chapter, and we're going to see some very simple things. You see, we often, as a church and as individuals, we talk about we want to do the work of God, right? Let me ask you this. Is it the will of God to do the work of God? Amen. Amen. That's not a trick question. All right, let me ask you this. And this isn't so easy of an answer. What is the work of God? You see, the work of God, as we're going to find here in the Scripture, it's going to be found in the Word of God and the worship of God. Outside of the Word of God and the worship of God, no work for God could ever take place. We must find ourselves daily in the Word of God. We must hold forth to the truth of the Word of God. We must stand fast upon the Word of God. And in so doing, the immediate result to being in the Word of God will be the worship of God. And that's the greatest work that can ever be done. The greatest work for God that can ever be done is to simply worship God. And the more that we begin to worship God in spirit and in truth through the Word of God, we will be in the will of God. If you're out of the will of God, a couple of things are taking place. Normally, one or two or both, you are out of His Word and you're out of worshiping Him. But here's what we find. If you want to be in the will of God, and all of us this morning would say, I want to do the will of God. I want to live in the will of God, right? None of us are foolish enough to think, you know, God's will is His thing. I'm just going to do my own thing, right? That's a foolish heart, a wicked heart, a fleshly heart, a heart that needs to be born again and needs to be saved today. Here's what all of us would say. We want to be in the will of God. Well, where is that going to be found? The Word. It's going to be found as we get in the Word of God, we will begin to worship Him. And that, that is what church is to be about. That is what the individual Christian life is to be about. I want to read for us uh, verse number 14 down through 18 this morning. I'm going to get through the rest of the chapter. Most of you don't believe that, but we'll we'll see. Um, But we're going to read that and pray and see what God has for us today. And when they had brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Halkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. And Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan and the scribe, I found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan, and Shaphan carried the book to the king and brought the king word back again and saying, All that was committed to thy servants, they do it. And they have gathered together the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it into the hand of the overseers and to the hand uh, of the worker uh, of the workmen. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Let us pray. 
Lord God, we want to thank You for this day. Grateful that we can gather, we can worship You in spirit and in truth today. Grateful that we can sing songs that, that uplift Christ. We pray that now our hearts would be open to Your Word. God, that You would rid of us, rid of, us of all distractions. God, help my heart and my mind today, Lord. God, it must be You that preaches Your Word. Uh, Lord, it must be You that, that uh, sinks into the hearts of people. Lord, I can't change a heart or a mind. I can't open up eyes or ears today, but only You can, God. I pray that through the power of Your Word, through the power of Your Holy Spirit, God, that great and mighty things would be done today. We love You and we thank You for Christ. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. As we looked at last week, chapter 34 begins, Josiah takes the, the reign. He's eight years old. We talked about how we're probably not voting for an eight-year-old president. Nevertheless, he takes the reign, and the kings before him were rough. As a matter of fact, Israel and Judah have been divided for some years now up to this point, and it seems that they'll have a good king, and he does all right. He does pretty good, but not like a Hezekiah or a Josiah maybe. But he does that which is right in the sight of the Lord. He pleases the Lord. He takes down some of the, the idolatry in the land and tries to clean the place up a bit. And then he has a son, and that son takes the throne, and he forgets all about the Lord. He forgets all about the way of God. And then cycle after cycle, wicked king after wicked king, the people have become so perverse and so wicked. But at the beginning of chapter 34, we dealt with this last week, that Josiah in his reign through the Lord brings about some reform. They, they strip the land of, of all of these idols, and literally they tear down the idols. They even burn up the bones of the false prophets and and they begin to worship the Lord once more. They begin to strengthen their hands and they start to rebuild and repair the temple of God. Now, what is the temple of God? It was the permanent place in which the presence of God was to dwell. It was to be the place where God met with His people and His people met with God. It was to be the place where offering and sacrifice was lifted up. It was to be a place that was sanctified and set apart from the world and unto God. It was to be a place where God's people knew that God was there. It is what you and I are told in the New Testament that we're no longer having to come to church just because if we want to feel the presence of God, we have to come to church. Rather, he tells us that we are now the temple of the Holy Ghost of God. So where you go and where you go, the, the Spirit of God, the presence of God goes with you. Nevertheless, we gather together in the church, as the church, to worship the Lord, to unite together, to uh, encourage and to strengthen one another, to hear the Word of God. And here we find Josiah had seen some great things take place. Repairs to the temple are made. Rebuilding takes place. They, they see the reform and they see that many of these idols are, are driven away and that is great. But it stops just short. You see, you know what can else do that? Religion can do all that. Morality can do all that. What will change your life is not morality. It's not self-help. Right? Those are good things that takes place, but here's where the real revival begins to take place. Here's where the people begin to really, really find what they need. You see, in the middle of all this, it says in verse number 14, that they, uh, as the money brought out the, uh, and when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. The first thing that has to take place in our life as a church, as individuals, is the rediscovery of the Word of God. Many of us have a Bible. We've got Bibles on our phones. We've got Bibles on our coffee table. We've got uh, Bibles in our uh, every room of the house, maybe, right? You, you've got a Bible with you, right? I've got my Bible. This goes in my backpack. It goes with me everywhere. I've got one exactly like it that's ready to be used once this thing falls apart and it's falling apart, right? Uh, we have study Bibles. We've got this study Bible, that study Bible. We've got a Bible that we write in. We've got a Bible. They've got Bibles now even just for journaling and for uh, coloring. Can you believe that? It's crazy. There are all kinds of Bibles out there. And as much of the Bible that is out there, yet we remain so little affected by it. And the reason why we remain so unaffected by it is because we're not living in it. We talk about being people of the book. We talk about being people who believe the Word of God. And yet if we believe the Word of God, certainly we'd be in the Word of God, wouldn't we? I believe the Redskins are the only team that matters in the NFL. And I'm wearing a tie today to prove it. We say, right, and I know come about 4 o'clock this afternoon, I'm going to be really disappointed, and that's okay. <laughs> Nevertheless, when it comes to the Word of God, we say we believe this book, don't we? Do you believe this book? Do you believe this Bible? If we believe this Bible, then it should change how we view this Bible. This Bible is not a relic. This Bible is not just old-fashioned. It's not for old fogies. It is the only thing that can change our life and the only thing that can right wrongs and the only thing that can straighten a church, the only thing that can straighten your heart out, the only thing that can help and strengthen your home, the only thing that can get you through times of trouble, 
The only thing that can send about revival is only going to be found in the Word of God. Now, moralism and, and doing a whole lot of other things can take place in the first 13 verses. We can straighten some things up. We can get some wrong things. I, I think about this. My father, long before he was ever saved, got clean and sober by the grace of God. Praise the Lord for that. But his life didn't change until the Word of God changed his life. We've got to see this. Many of us have been saved so long and we've read the Bible so many times that it no longer affects us and it should never be so. I've known some folks who claim they've been saved for, for decades, longer than I've been alive and, and other people around me have been alive, longer than some of y'all have been alive, and they've never read the Bible all the way? I mean, we think we, want, well, we like the Psalms, we like the Gospel of John, we like a few verses in Romans for the Romans Road, and, and then the rest of it, you know, it, it's just kind of there, right? We should love this book. You know why? Because God does. God loves His Word. It is the very revealing of God. We often talk about how we want to hear a word from the Lord. If you want to hear a word from the Lord, crack the spine on your Bible. If you want to hear what God has to say, open up this book and read it. Study it. Live it. Obey it. What we often have happen in our churches and our Christian walk is that we know, all of us in here this morning know, I should read my Bible. And here's what we do. We start First of the year, January 1-1, and we start in Genesis. And then by March, we make it to Leviticus, and we say, you know what, I'll start again next year. This just got too difficult. Here's what happens to us, is that we, we lose sight that this is the very breath of God, the very Word of God, that God has revealed Himself to us, not through the signs and the wonders and clouds in the sky, or, or uh, your grilled cheese got burnt a certain way and you think you saw something in it. No, that's not the case. It is only in the Word of God. People talk about how they want to hear God's voice. If you want to hear God's voice, read a verse. This is how God has spoken to us. This is what we desperately need. And here's what happens for them. They rediscover the Word of God. It had been lost. But praise the Lord, God allowed them to begin to repair the temple in order to find the Bible. Here's what had happened. Deuteronomy chapter 31. This is forgotten about. Moses ending up his last bit of preaching. He's getting ready to croak. Josh was getting ready to take over. Josh was going to take them in the promised land. That's some good stuff. Nevertheless, in this, look at what, what he says. Moses writes here, Deuteronomy 31, verse 24. And it came to pass when Moses had made an end of writing the words of this law in a book until they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it in the side of of the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for a witness against thee. For I know thy rebellion and thy stiff neck. Behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, you have been rebellious against the Lord, and how much more after my death. Moses sees the importance of the written word of God. Now, Moses talked to God as it were face to face like with a man. They've seen the cloud descend upon Mount Sinai when God writes on the tables of stone to give them the commandments and to give them the law. They've seen those things, but now what does Moses do? He says tradition isn't going to cut it, but the written word is what is needed. Now let's look here. In Deuteronomy 31, we find a couple of things. We find the Ark of the Covenant. Where was that placed? In the tabernacle. How far into the tabernacle? It's placed way on back in there. It's the place of the holiness of God. It is the place where God's presence dwells. It is the place where sacrifice and offering is made. It is the place where the mercy seat of God would be. It is the place where atonement happens. It is the place where worship happens. It's an important place. And what does Moses say to do? Put the Word of God there. Because what must be central in worship? The Word. What must be central in the work of God? The Word of God. Everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we believe is founded and based in this book. If it's not here, we don't need it. And this does not give us license to go, well, you know, the Bible doesn't say we can't. You know, it doesn't say you can. The Bible says what it says, and it means what it means. And we must not try to change our, our, our Bible to match our life, but rather the Bible must affect our life. Because Moses here even says... I know your rebellion. This is here for a witness against you. You're struggling in life. There's hope here. You're succeeding in life. There's humility here. 
You're having, regardless of whatever your situation or circumstances in your life, in your church, in your home, it is found in the Word of God. The Word of God is pure. It is God's very revelation. God has given this to us to reveal Himself to us. He has not just given us stories for Sunday school and some do's and some don'ts to stick up on a courthouse or on a plaque from Hobby Lobby. He has given us This is who I am. If you want to know who God is, you're not going to find it outside of His Word. It's found in the Word of God. Psalm 19 tells us this. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Many of us want many things in church and in our Christian life, don't we? We want to be in the will of God. We want to do the work of God. We want this ministry and that ministry and this missionary and that missionary. We want this program and that program. We want to have this event and that event. We want to have a thousand casseroles in between. But how many of us just simply want the Word? Very few of us anymore. What used to ultimately matter and what ultimately matters to God is His Word. And all these other things can be stripped away, but as long as we have the Word of God and the worship of God, that is ultimately all that we need. And the very fact that they found the book once more, it gives hope. Because this book is a revealing book. It reveals God to us. It reveals the holiness of God to an unholy man. And it reveals our own wicked hearts to ourselves. But in so doing, it points us and reveals to us our Savior, who is our only hope, who is our only way of salvation. Here, Psalm 19, he tells us that it's more to be desired than gold. It's sweeter than honey. I wonder if we view the Word of God that way. Many of us, if we're honest, we view the Gospel of John or Romans that way and Numbers not so much and Habakkuk. Most of us haven't even read that, didn't even know it was a Bible. This is a shame that we view the Word of God in this way. We treat it so flippantly. We abuse it. We allow it to collect dust while our things in this world... and We will dust off our house if we know people are coming before we'll dust off our Bible and Jesus is coming. It should never be so. Is the Word of God sweet like honey to you? Is it more desired in your life than that of gold? We should wake up and what should we desire? God. And if we desire God, what will we desire? His Word. Because He has given it to us. Not because He needs the Bible, but rather because we need the Bible. He's revealed Himself to us because we wouldn't know who He is or how to get to Him without the Bible. This is why the Bible is not only our foundation, but it's our everything. The walls are built up by the Word. The roof's put on by the Word. The windows are put in by the Word. Everything by the Word of God. God's Word is superior and God's Word is sufficient. And look at what takes place here. <clears throat> Back in Second Chronicles 34, they find it exactly where Moses had told them to put it. Why? Because if they are going to get to worship the Lord back in that temple that they've gotten to see rebuilt and repaired, the only way that they'll know how to do any of it is found in the Word of God. If they're going to keep those idols out of the land, the only way to do it is by getting in the Word of God. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I believe it was Moody who said that this book will either keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Your flesh does not desire this book because your flesh is at war against God. Your flesh is at war against the things of God. But what is for this book? The Spirit of God. So if you are saved today, it will be a natural desire to want this sweet honeycomb of God's Word. To want this bread of life. And if we are to keep sin from entering the church, from entering our hearts, 
will only be found as the Word of God is rediscovered once more. And I believe if there's ever been a great need of the church today, it is to rediscover God's Word again. If you've read your Bible through once, that's fantastic. Read it again. If you read your Bible this morning, that's wonderful. Read it again. If you've thought about God's Word at one point in a day, think about it again. Why? Because this Bible is all that we need. This Bible, this Word that God has given should be life-changing and should draw us to Him at all times throughout all of our days. You never will outlive this book. You will never outgrow this book. And I'm afraid that we have many folks who have been saved so long that they've heard the Bible preached enough and they've even read it enough that they think that they've done it enough and that's all that they... It's it. What about the same joy and desire that you had the moment you got saved for the Word of God? You couldn't stop listening to preaching. You couldn't stop going to church. Nothing was going to keep you from it because you knew that Word has changed me. Does it still affect you today? Perhaps if you're lost today, you need to discover the Word of God for the very first time. But today I would say, hazard to guess, there's mostly saved folks in this place today, and I would tell you this, you need to rediscover the, the Bible. Rediscover God's Word. This is all that we have, all that we need. As they discover the Word, what takes place is that they go, and then they don't just say, oh good, we found the law. They open it up and they read it. To read, not just to say they read it, but to hear what God has to say. I challenge you the very next time you open up your Bible to read it, to pause before you read a word and go, God has spoken and He desires to speak to me now. Because that's what takes place when this book is opened. They read it before the king. This is what separates Josiah from many of the other kings that even had done well. The Word of God separates the real from the fake. The Word of God separates revival from going through the motions. It is the Word of God that gives power, that gives encouragement, that gives conviction. It is the Word of God that gives what is needed to do and to be in the will of God and the work of God. It is founded upon the Scripture. And then verses 19 through the rest of this chapter, we find that there is not just this rediscovering of the Word, but the rediscovering of the Word then leads to a repenting of worldliness. You see, it was great what Josiah had done in the first portion of this chapter, but now that the Word of God is being spoken, even Josiah will be changed all the more. Look at what happens in verse 19. It came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law that he rent his clothes. He didn't get a little tear. It's the idea of lamenting. To rip, to tear. Why? Because he is impacted by the Word of the Lord. Sadly, we used to hear, thus saith the Lord, thundered from pulpits and believed in pews and lived and practiced in the world. And no longer do we see such. Rarely do we hear it thundered from the pulpits and rarely do we hear it amen in a, in a, in a pew. Rarely do we even wake up and think, I need the Word. And then what we do is we fall into this trap where we go, well, I, I read my five chapters today or my four chapters today or I read the Proverbs this month. That's good. Now tell me about it. What, what, what is God teaching you? What has God said? When the Word of God is read and understood, and proclaimed, it will have an impact. It came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law that he rent his clothes. Isn't Josiah a good dude? Isn't he a good king? He's ridden the place of idolatry. He sought to, to seek the Lord. As a matter of fact, back in 34, verse number 2, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, walked in the ways of David his father, and did not go to the right to the left. Praise the Lord for that. But he needs more. The people need more. We need more. And it's there in the Word. This leads to this line of repenting. The king commanded Hilkiah and Aachim, the son of Shaphan, and Abdon, the son of Micah, and Shaphan, the scribe, and Asiah, a servant of the kings, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for them that are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that is found for great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord 
to do after all that is written in the book. What did they find? They found the writings of Moses that was placed there at the ark. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. In that, they found the law of God. They found, thus saith the Lord. They found who God was, what God had promised, what God had done, and how God's people rebelled and rebelled and rebelled. Rejected and rejected and rejected. Yet, they found in that same book, not just God's law and His commands, but they found His mercy and His grace and His salvation and His worship and His desires for His people. Then we see in the life of Israel and Judah this continued rebellion and rejection not just of a good king, but even more so. They reject and rebel against God. Every sin ever committed, regardless of what it is, how big, how small, how deep, how wide, is always against God and His Word. And they had gotten to such a place because they had rejected and neglected and ignored the Word of God. And now here once more it comes to the ears of the king. And he says, go and inquire because great is the wrath of the Lord that is upon us. Because of the evil that we've done. There in Deuteronomy, God tells them several times that if you keep the law of God, if you keep the Word of God, if you write it there in the way, if you have all these things that you so desperately need, if you have the Word surrounded your life and you obey the Word, that there will be a blessing to follow God. But he says, in the moment that you don't, in the moment that you rebel against God's Word, what happens? One, you sin against God. Two, now your uh, fellowship with God is broken. And now what has happened? You've transgressed against the covenant with God, and now you find yourself wayward. Now you find yourself in Israel's history going in captivity, out of captivity. In captivity, out of captivity. And they're getting ready to do the same thing when Second Chronicles ends, after Josiah's death and another king arises. Why? Because of the neglect of the Word. But here, the Word of God now draws them to a place of repentance. Verse 22, And Hilkiah and they that the king had appointed went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of, of Tivath, the, of the son of Hasera, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college, and they spake to her to that effect. God is going to use this prophetess, Huldah, to get the Word to these folks. He's going to be pre- she's going to be proclaiming, thus saith the Lord, therefore there's authority. God has spoken, and what is He about to speak? He's about to speak, even though Josiah has done these things, Josiah will be spared. But the rest of you have done so wickedly that He must bring about judgment. Verse 23, She answered them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell ye the man that sent you to Me, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the curses that are written in the book which they have read before the king of Judah. You want to know why Josiah rent his clothes? Because he had heard what God said he would do to those who reject his word. He had seen the pattern of his people to continuously reject and ignore God's word. It should make us mourn that we don't hold to the word of God as we ought to. It should make us lament the fact that churches and we have a nation and a world that's dying, starving to death without the Word of God. Yet it has little impact on us anymore. If it doesn't immediately affect us or bother us, we don't rightly care. Verse 25, he says, Because they have forsaken Me and have burnt incense unto other gods. What do we call that? Idolatry that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands immorality. Therefore, my wrath shall be poured out upon this place and shall not be quenched. Verse 26, As for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, so shall ye say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which thou hast heard, because, and here's the key, folks, because thine heart was tender, and thou didst humble thyself before God when thou heardst the wor- His words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, and humblest thyself before Me and didst rend thy clothes and weep before Me, I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. 
What's the key here? God's Word absolutely causes rejoicing. But it also causes repentance. You won't repent what you don't know. You won't rejoice in what you don't know. The only response, and the only true response to hear God's Word must always be humility. The very fact that God, the God of the universe, has spoken to us, to you, to me, through His preserved and inspired and sufficient Word. God honored Josiah because Josiah, who is a king, could be puffed up like the rest of them, but instead hears God's Word and was tender. What does that mean? He was willing, able, and ready to receive the Word of God. Most of us are not so tender-hearted to the Word anymore. Many of us have grown indifferent at best and cold and hardened at worst. We have heard the Bible so much and we know so much of it in our minds that it has stopped affecting our hearts. We no longer have a desire for it. We want the things of church. We want the activity of church without ever getting to the Word of God. But all that matters, all that will have lasting impact is found in the Word. He was tender to God's Word and he humbled himself before the Lord. Humility is something that each of us say that we want but strive little to achieve. We love ourselves some us. We are far more prideful than we'd ever care to admit, let alone more prideful than we'd ever even imagine. Even the most humble of us. And what God says here is, I will bring about judgment upon my people. Why? Is God mean? No. Out of grace and mercy to draw them back to Himself. But He says Josiah, because of his tenderness, because of humility, because of his repentance for the, on his own behalf, on behalf of the people, he says, Behold, I will gather thee to thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered to thy grave in peace. Neither shall thy eyes see all the evil that I will bring upon this place and upon the inhabitants of the same. So they brought the king word again. Then the king sent and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah <coughs> and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the Levites and all the people great and small. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant that was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart, with all his soul to perform the words of the covenant which are written in this book. What do we call that? Repentance. Repentance is not just a turning from idols in the first portion of chapter 34, but it is now a turning to something. And what must we turn to? The Word of God. He tells us, And He caused all them that were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin to stand to it. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. And Josiah took away all the abominations out of the countries and pertained to the children of Israel and made all that were present in Israel and served them even to serve the Lord their God. And all his days they departed not from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. Why? Because the Word of God was rediscovered. Worldliness was repented of. But this brings us to this now. All of that, rediscovering the Word, Repenting of worldliness brings us to a place where we can recommit to worship. The greatest work of God and the very will of God for your life is to glorify Him. To worship the Lord. Few of us know what it means to live a life in the Word of God and even fewer of us know what it means to live a life in worship of God. When we open the Word of God, it should be to worship Him. When we come to church, it should be to worship Him. When we go to our jobs, it should be to worship Him. All of our life is to the glory of God and for the glory of God. But we won't know who God is outside of the Word. We won't understand our sinfulness outside of the Word. And when we get in the Word, what does that do? The lasting effect of the Word of God is that we will begin to worship the God of the Word. You see, the reason why we don't worship the Lord is because we're not in the, in the Word. And we see how we cannot separate the two, but rather they go hand in hand. This is why it doesn't matter. You can have your worship wars about style. 
about contemporary, not contemporary. By the way, every song at one point in time was contemporary. That's all right. You'll, you'll, you'll either look it up or, or just figure it out. You ain't got to think too hard. I don't care if we sang and we didn't have a piano or a guitar, if we just sang Just As I Am or Amazing Grace or what we've just sung this morning and we didn't have nothing to play, what matters with worship? What is the focus of worship? It's not you and I or our preferences anyways. It is the glory of God. It is for who God is and what He has done. And we only know who He is and what He has done through His Word. It is that in every song, every line, every conversation would be to know God and to glorify God. Chapter 35 here, and I'm not going to preach the whole chapter. And I know you're welcome. Verse 1 will be sufficient here. Moreover, if you thought Josiah had done good up to this point, moreover, Josiah kept a Passover unto the Lord in Jerusalem. And they killed the, and they killed the Passover on the 14th day of the first month. You go, what in the world does that have to do about anything? It means everything. For you and I who are not Jewish, we don't understand the significance of the Passover. For them, the Passover was what? It was the very first one was given the night of the Exodus. It was the last of the plagues against Egypt to one, dispense His grace upon His people Israel to deliver them, but as well as to display His glory to His people and to the wicked pagan Egyptians to declare that He is God and He is God alone. And in so doing, that Passover lamb was much more. It was much more than just a blood covering for the outside of their homes that uh, the death angel would pass by them and move on to the next place. It was a sign of hearing the Word of God, obeying the Word of God, and that the Word of God points to something and someone far greater, and that is the Lamb of God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh, who came as the Passover Lamb, who died a death, a substitutionary death, a sacrificial death, a loving death for sinful men. He died that death that you and I deserved. He paid the price of which we could never pay, no matter what we could ever do, no matter what we could ever muster up. He went into the grave and rose again the third day according to the Scripture, so that there would never have to be another Passover lamb again. That He is the Lamb, uh, the, the Lion of God, the Lamb of God. He is the One who is the Lamb upon His throne, ruling and reigning forevermore. That's who the Lord is. When you and I see... Moreover, Josiah kept Passover into the Lord Jerusalem. You and I read Second Chronicles like it doesn't mean a thing, but this means everything because what is the Passover? It is the worship of God. What is the worship of God? Worship is the inner and outer response of knowing and obeying outwardly and inwardly the Word of God. Worship is the response of the Word. We will only worship God, and our worship will only be as high as our view of the Bible is. Our worship will only go as far as our knowledge and our obedience to the Word of God will go. Where there is no Word of God preached, there will be no worship lifted. Where there is no Word of God obeyed, there will be no worship given. We see the importance of the two together. Now this takes place in the 18th year. Go to verse 16 of chapter 35. So all the service of the Lord was prepared the same day to keep the Passover, to offer burnt offerings upon the altar of the Lord. What is that worship? According to the commandment of the king of Josiah. What is obedience? Worship. Worship. And the children of Israel that were present kept the Passover at that time in the Feast of the Unleavened Bread seven days. What is that? Worship. Obedience. According to the Word. Notice verse 18. There was no Passover like to that kept in Israel from the days of Samuel the prophet. Neither did all the kings of Israel keep such a Passover as Josiah kept and the priests and the Levites and all Judah and Israel that were present in the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Why did they have such a day of worship? Because the Word of God had been discovered again. Many of us live a Christian life that is not so lifeful or living. 
It's, it's not so full of life. It's just full of eh. We're just kind of here. I don't want to be just here for another 50 years of a church's history. And I don't need to wait for an anniversary or a homecoming or a special Sunday to go, oh boy, now's the day to worship the Lord. As a matter of fact, it should be taking place when I'm home, when I'm by myself, when I'm with others, when I'm at work, when I'm here, when we're together as a church and when we're scattered together or away from each other as individuals. The Word of God and the worship of God is what we need. Today, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're struggling with. I can tell you this, that whatever it is, the Word of God's the answer. I don't know where you're at or where you think we ought to go as a church because I can tell you this, I've been a pastor long enough to know this, that everybody except for the pastor is an expert at pastoring and, and, and church work. And there's no such experts anyways. The only expert on church life and the Christian life is this book. If you don't like worship, and I'm not talking about singing either, Worship takes place all throughout the service. Worship takes place all throughout our life, at least it should. If you don't know worship, if you don't like to worship, it's because you don't know God. If you know God according to the God of the Word here, the Bible, the Word of God, the breath of God, you will want to worship Him. Not for all the mighty things and many things He's done, but simply for who He is. We'll never know who He is. We'll never worship Him unless we are in this book. You say, well, Pastor, you could have spent four minutes telling us read the Bible and worship God. Could have. But you've heard that your entire life. And I've heard that my entire life. And yet we do little with it. We say, I want to be in the will of God. Good. If you really want that, you'll be in the Word of God. And you'll be in the worship of God. Not on a Sunday morning. Alone. No man eats one meal a week. No happy couple has one conversation a month. Or one a week. You say, I want to do the work of God. Good. But you only do it as you are in the Word of God and the worship of God. Today as we bring this to a close, let me ask you this. What does the Word of God mean to you? Is the Bible just a book? Is it just a part of our worship time? Let me ask you, what does worship mean to you? Do you truly, desperately want to be in the will of God? And you should truly, desperately want to be in His Word. Without the Word of God, we've got no point in meeting here. Without the Word of God, we've got no point in life. Life has no meaning. Life has no purpose. Life has no rules. Life has no life outside of the Word. Outside of the Word, you and I will never worship the God of the heavens who deserves all glory and honor forever and forever. You and I will never get back on track and the church will never get back on track and the church will never move forward and your Christian walk will never move forward outside of the Word, outside of the worship of God. What's your life like right now? You already know. But I can tell you this, you're a step away. A prayer away. A morning of dedication away. A hand being lifted away. from Receiving all that you need to be in the will of God. To do the work of God. But may we get it straight. It's going to start here. Let's all stay in this morning.